Well, if you got Bibles, you can go to 2 Peter chapter 1. I kind of want us to look together this morning um, in the Word of God and make the point right up front that I want you to see clearly that God doesn't just want you to have faith, but He wants you to have faith and add to that faith. He wants you to add some other things on top of that, right? That faith that we have in Jesus is the solid foundation that we're supposed to build a godly life upon. And faith is really such a simple thing to describe because when we talk about putting faith in Christ, it's just as simple as talking about trust. And I've been teaching that here for years and years that faith and trust are synonymous with one another. They're the same. What we're essentially saying when we say, why don't you put your faith in Christ? We're saying, why don't you trust Christ? Why don't you trust and, and believe in Him, trust His words, trust His teachings, trust the sacrifice that He made for you, trust His resurrection, amen? Trust in this salvation that He offers to us if we just trust in Him. And that's really what faith is, is just trust and belief in Jesus Christ and God and who He said He is. The Bible says that, that we know that if anybody wants to come to God, he must first believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek after Him. So we got to believe and trust in the name of Jesus and the Son of God. We've got to believe that He was crucified, that He was resurrected from the dead, and believe that because He lives, the Bible says, we can live also. Amen. Without faith this morning, we're in real trouble. If you're sitting here this morning, you're not Christian, right? You're, you, you've not yet come to the place of trusting in Christ. You really need to consider life. Where you're headed, what's your future going to be, what, what, what lies in store, what's ahead for you. I believe every person is in here this morning, there would be no point of being in here this morning if you did not believe in God. I believe everybody in here this morning knows there's a God. I believe everybody in here this morning knows that there's more to life than this. If this is all there is, what a joke. Amen. Amen. What a miserable existence. Pain, heartache, suffering, some good times, more bad times than good, more trouble than good. Uh, if this is what we have to look forward to, then this is not much, is it? But we've got a blessed hope. We've got something far beyond this. And I believe you know that, and that's why you're here this, uh, this morning. I believe when I was lost, there was an emptiness inside of me that I could not feel. And I believe if you're lost, there's an emptiness inside of you that you simply cannot feel. No matter what from the world you try to put in that place, it will not satisfy. That, that feeling is because that just like I was, that lost folks are separated from God. They have no peace with God. I, I recognize my guilt. And you see, there's part of me today as a Christian that still feels guilty. Still feels guilty. But I'm not trusting in my goodness now. That's the difference in lost and saved. When I was lost, I felt guilty, but I had to hope and trust in my own goodness. 
that I was just a good enough person that God would be satisfied with that. Now I know that I'm not a good person. And that God won't be satisfied with it. So I put my trust in the one that He is satisfied with. I put my trust in Christ. Amen. See, that's the, that's the beauty of salvation, right? That's the beauty of what it is. That's what Romans 5 and 1 says, right? It says, therefore being justified by faith, we now, now that we've had this trust in God, now that we've believed God and believed Christ for who He said He is, we've been justified and we have peace with God. Through Jesus Christ. Amen. That word faith, right? That brings us that peace. And, and the amazing thing is, is that he, he, when we trust in Him, is that He pours out grace to us. He'll save us. We don't save ourselves. Amen. 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 We do not save ourselves. Uh, 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 he saves. He draws us to Him. Amen. He draws us to Himself. He's the one that died. He's the one that rose. He's the one that calls. He's the one that pours out the grace upon grace when we call upon Him. All we have to do is believe and trust. That's our part. And, and even the Bible says then that He gives us a measure of faith by which to do that. In Ephesians 2.8 it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Amen? In the, in the New King James it says, Grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. It's the gift of God. See, the, the prayer for those that are here this morning without faith is that maybe somehow God will speak to their heart and open their eyes and see that God truly loves you this morning. Amen. He truly loves you. He's made a way for you to have peace with Him. He's made a way for you to have a future, to have life, to have it more abundantly, to have eternal life. And that God will save today. To all that will call upon His name, He will save. But will we trust Him? Amen? I pray that we would think about that. That's that critical part, right, that we need to know. But there are two groups of people in here this morning. That's all there ever is, right? There are those that are saved and those that are not. And I've spoken to those that are not. And I, I want you to know if you're here and you're not saved, you need to be considering your life. You need to be considering whether or not you're willing to trust Christ with your life. Trust Christ with all of your heart. You, you have to think about that and, and, and measure that out. And if you're willing to do that, He's willing to save. But for those that are saved, there's more. And that's why I want to go to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. I, I've only got 1 through 11 up there, but I will probably read the whole chapter. It's 21 verses. Um, let's just start with verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like, faith, like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. There's that word again, right? That, that faith that we saw there in verse 1. He's speaking to those that have found it. 
Right? Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity or love. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you will not be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the brother, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Knowing that surely I must put off my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For He received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to Him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with Him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Amen. 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 What is, the, what is the motivation that Peter lists there? Right? Peter says there's a motivation for, uh, thank you, brother, for uh, adding to your faith. What is, what is that motivation that we see? What, what, what happens? What is it that should motivate us or push us to add to our faith? After all, if we've got faith, we've got salvation, right? So why shouldn't we just hold that? Wouldn't that be easier? Just to stay right where we are with the Lord? 
just to not worry about growing with God, wouldn't it be easier? But 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 Peter lists something. Peter Peter talks about some things there in that chapter. That's why I wanted to read the whole thing because what Peter said is we haven't followed fables. This is not just some story. This is not just some little thing that we add on to our lives that we decide that we want to do, right? This is not just some little uh, uh, fly-by-night, you know, I'll be a Christian today and I'll be who I want to be tomorrow and then I'll go back to the Lord again later and, and follow His way here and there and everywhere. This is a real thing, Peter said. Something to be taken seriously. Something that has an eternal reward. Something that really, this is so serious that your life hangs in the balance here this morning. It is a real, real thing. And here's the thing this morning. Many people today that are in churches today, whether it's this one or another one somewhere else, have very little faith in the Lord. Very little faith. They do not take being a Christian seriously. Why? Well, you hear all kinds of things. Well, it's just, you know, it's it's you know, it's just the season of life that I'm in. This is a hard time. That's not the case. Well, you know, it, it, it's the job that I had. It won't let me get focused on that's not the reason. Well, it's the kids, well, it's the wife, well, it's the husband, well, it's the whatever you pick or whatever you think, but those aren't reasons. Here's the reason. Get down below those surface level excuses that we make for not having a genuine faith, for not really going out and digging and, and, and serving God and giving God our whole lives. Get below the surface and what do you find? It's that there are other things in life that you treasure more than you treasure Jesus Christ. That's right. Amen. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is, when will we, what will it take? What, will, what, what does God need to do on your behalf this morning? What will it take for you to let go of those things that you treasure so deeply in this world? What is it that's got you so bound that you do not want to move forward with God and go on and serve God more today than you did yesterday? What are those things? What stands between you and God that you need to get rid of? Small little crowd today. Makes it real personal. And I believe God knew that. It's personal to me. Because I have at times in my life made excuses for why I wasn't growing when really I had no excuses. Right? Uh, just being honest with you, right? At times in my life I've said, well, this is going on, that's going on, so it's really hard for me, and I make off. We, trust me, we do not have it harder than the apostles had it in the first century church. Amen. 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 And they grew. Right? This is this is a man that's that's speaking these words to you. Of course, he's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But this is Peter, who has, by the way, a family, a wife, who who has. Uh, 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 obligations. All the churches are looking to him. 
Right? So he's got this ministry who's been who has been in trouble and hated and persecuted and suffering and he knows he's still got he's got jobs, he's got all these things that he's trying to do. This is not a man that's not acquainted with what a busy hard life is. And he says, you've got to add some things to faith. So as we begin to really look at what this Scripture is saying to us, the faith, the faith that we had the day that we were saved it was a wonderful gift from God. Amen. We trusted, we believed, we embraced the Gospel of Jesus Christ, and by grace we were saved through faith, just like we read. Amen. And just like we said in the beginning, that faith had become the foundation for this new life in Christ that we've been given. Amen? Amen. Yeah. The Bible says that we walk by faith, yeah. not by sight. Yeah. We trust God even when it's hard. When we cannot see, we trust God. When we don't know what God's doing, we trust God. Amen. When we don't know where God's leading us, we trust God. But as you can see in the Scripture today, that's a wonderful thing, but there's more to being a Christian than just that. Now that you have faith in Christ, now that you've trusted in Him, now that you are uh, building upon this firm foundation that cannot be moved, you have to add to faith some things. Maybe I could say it better this way. As Christians, we're called to grow in our relationship with Jesus. Your faith was the beginning of your journey. If that's still all you have, you're not where you need to be. Right? You started with faith. For those that are here and lost, I'm preaching that you will have faith. For those that are here that are saved, you already have that. Now I'm preaching that you should have beyond that based on how long you've been Christian. There's more to the Christian life than believing. There's more than trusting. There's more. And we've got to jump on board the ship of faith here and, and go forward. Amen? We've got to kind of push ourselves forward. If, if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, what I'm saying to you is it's time to grow more. Amen. To be honest, growth hurts. When I was a kid, I, I would get... Did anybody else ever get growing pains? I did. Right? My legs would ache. They would hurt. I was growing. Growing hurts. I didn't grow much. They didn't last long. <laughs> they were there for a little while. It's the same way in the Christian life. Amen? Sometimes it hurts, but we've got to grow. And here's the truth. A lot of people will come and bow down at the altar and they'll pray and then a month passes and Two months passes and three months pass and a, a year and three years and ten years and twenty years and they never grow from where they were. They may memorize a scripture or two. They may do some little things along the way, but they're not growing 
in their relationship with God. They're not adding to their faith. They're staying stagnant. Their knowledge doesn't really increase because they don't study at home. They don't attend Bible study. They don't come to church consistently. They won't come to Sunday school. Their character doesn't change because they don't learn. They don't grow. They still act in ways that are contrary to God's ways. They're, I expect a, a new believer in Christ, I expect them to not know what they're doing. But when you've been saved, I expect a Christian that's been a Christian a month to know a lot more than somebody that's been a Christian a day. I expect a Christian that's been saved three months to know a lot more than the one that's been one month. And I expect one that's been three years a lot more than three months. Amen? Amen. I believe there's a, a reasonable uh, amount of growth that should happen relatively quickly in the life of a believer. I believe we make too many excuses for people. We, make, we, we allow people to say, you say, well, you know, they, they don't know. Well, why don't they know? Because they won't study, they won't listen, they won't come, they won't attend. So it's not anybody's fault but their own that they don't know. They continue to struggle with the same old sins that they always did. They have no self-control. That should not be our testimony. Not even a month after we're saved. Not even two months after we're saved. That should not be our testimony. And in this portion of Scripture, Peter, again, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, pins those words today. And, and, and you should, if you mark in your Bibles, you should underline where he says, add to your faith. Amen. Add to it now. Grow. Right? Put on something besides just faith. Faith is wonderful. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. By grace you've been saved through faith. We're kept by the power of God through faith. Faith is a fantastic thing. But there should be more to you than faith. What should we add? If He's telling us to get stronger and, and, and to become more like Christ and to get deeper, what does He want us to add? Well, let's look at the first thing that He says there in verse 5. And, and He says this, And besides this, giving all diligence. What does that mean? What does that word all diligence or diligence mean? That means hard work. Giving hard, putting hard work into this. Let me tell you something. Being a godly Christian is hard work. Amen. Don't think it won't be. He says put hard work in all diligence. That means giving it all you've got. Amen. Giving all diligence. Add to your faith virtue. What does that mean? Virtue means moral excellence. In other words, right living. Amen? Right living. Live right. Here's something that we need to know as Christians. We're called to live right. It takes hard work to live right. Our speech is to be excellent morally. Amen? Amen. Our actions are to be excellent morally. Our character is to be excellent morally. We, the church, 
are to reflect the character of God in our lives. People should look at us and see Christ. Do you believe that this morning? That people should look at you and see Christ? So Peter says, add to your faith moral excellence. He's basically saying what James said. Uh, he's just saying it a different way. He's saying faith without works is dead. Right? In other words, you've got to add to this faith. You've got to add good, wholesome, holy works. Here's the thing. We cannot live like the world and expect to be pleasing unto God. Amen. We're told plainly that we are not of this world any longer. That we are strangers here. In that very scripture it says that we escape the pollutions of the world. That we've been set free from chains of sin. That we are to walk in newness of life. We've been given this new life in Jesus We've been given this. But what is this life? It's supposed to be a life lived in holiness. Oh, it's a dirty word to the church today. Because it's not talking about what God will do for you, but what you will do for God. Right? Now, we always want to talk about what God's going to do for us. And hey, I, I like that too. And God will do everything He says He will do for us. But we are to live in holiness. Romans 12, 1, 2. Common scripture everybody knows. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Amen? When I, when I see, when I hear, listen, this is, not, this is not smooth, easy preaching, I get it. But when I see or hear Christians, people that profess to be Christians, using bold or inappropriate language, when I see them posting curse words on Facebook, it does not exemplify holiness. You say, well, I don't think language is that important to God. I don't think those words are that important. Colossians 3 and 8, He says, but you yourselves are to put off all these things. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, Filthy communication out of your mouth. Amen. 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 Elsewhere in another place, he says, make sure your speech is seasoned with grace. In another place in James, he says, cursing, blessings and cursing shouldn't come forth from the same mouth. Amen. Amen. When I see Christians gossiping, it does not exemplify holiness. When Christians act arrogantly, it does not exemplify holiness. When Christians are unkind, when, you're, when you treat people poorly, it does not exemplify holiness. When you're selfish, it does not exemplify holiness. It's not morally excellent. 
And we have to look at these things and we have to see them for what they are. We have to work at these things. Yes. You say, well, I don't think it really matters that much. They do matter that much. They do matter. They are a part of your testimony and they matter greatly. Jasmine and I were talking before the service and, 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 and she said, what about all the people in the world that never hear the name of Jesus? What, what about, I said, that's why it's important that we get the knowledge and get out there and tell them about it. Amen. Our testimony matters. How you live at work matters. How you talk to your family matters. How you act to your brothers and sisters in the church matters. Everything you do from the time you open your eyes till you close them matters. It is a heavy burden. But Jesus said, if it burdens you down, cast a little bit of it on me. Amen. I'm able to help bear that burden. Amen? Amen. I'm thankful that He helps us bear the burden. Amen. You know how one way He helps us? He gives us the Holy Spirit who allows us to have the power and the ability Amen. to do these things. Amen. You have to be able to discipline yourself. You've got to be willing to resist the urge and, 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 and the pull that the flesh has. <laughs> You have to make a conscious effort every day to resist the temptation to be and act like the world. Anybody in here, you can, you can be just like the world if you want it. God will not stop it. You go home today, you can call up somebody that you're aggravated with, you can cuss them out. God won't stop you. But it's not morally excellent. Amen. And it's a sin against a holy God. Amen. You can go home and watch filth on your television and God will not stop you. He will not turn your TV off. He will not cancel your internet. He will not uh, 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 turn the electricity off at your house. But it's not morally excellent. Amen. And you know it and I know it. Amen. And you say, well, I just don't feel close to God. Look at your life and find out why. Amen. Look at your life and discover the why behind why you don't feel close to God. Are you living in a way that is morally excellent? Are you living a life of holiness? It's a choice we have to make. Amen? Amen. i got to move on. Add to that, to virtue, knowledge. So you're to add on this holy living and then you're to add on knowledge. Knowledge includes understanding, but there's more to that. It doesn't end there. Knowledge also means a deeper appreciation or a deeper relationship. So Peter is saying to us that we are to add to our faith holy living and a deeper understanding and appreciation of God. How do we do that? Well, you have to study the Word. You've got to pray. What does James tell us? If any man lacks wisdom, what should he do? Let him ask of God who give us to all men liberally and upbraideth not. 
He'll give you the knowledge. He'll give you wisdom. How about this? You have to be present for preaching. You have to be present for Bible study. You have to be present for Sunday school. It's an amazing thing that most people, most people can get up and be at work by 8 or 9 o'clock, but they cannot get to the church by 9.45. It's practically impossible. Amen. It's an amazing thing. Amen. You know what it shows? They don't want to come. Amen. Don't get mad at me. Amen. Don't get mad. Amen. I just gave you the liberty to just say it. Amen. Bill, I don't want to. I don't want to be at Sunday school. At least then it's out in the open and we know it. Amen? That's a lot better than making excuses. I just don't want to come. Then we can find out why don't you want to. Right? Why don't you want to? You know, preacher, it's hard for me. It's hard for everybody. They ain't nobody it's easy on. You know? Uh, but that's where that diligence that we talked about comes in, right? It takes a sacrifice sometimes to do the things that we need to do. But you endure the hard parts to get the reward. Yeah. <laughs> I have seen... Now, I'm using that as an example. I have seen women carrying multiple children on their persons. One on their hip, one on their chest or back, and one of those things that they wrap around. Diaper bag around their throat. <laughs> in the rain to go shopping. That's hard, I would say. I would call that hard. Amen? But they don't stay home. They go. Why? They want to. Let's get to the heart of the matter. It's the want to. Amen? That's missing. It's not the ability. It's not the strength. It's, not, it's the want to that's missing. We, we live in a time, it's an amazing thing, where there are more books. We live in an age of information. You can listen to countless sermons online. You can hear the Bible digitally. You can get audio books that read the book to you. I have people say, well, I don't like to read. Well, now every book they make, somebody will read it to you. You can have it read to you. You can, you can have... You, you, you can have it read in dramatized voices with music behind it. I mean, there is, there is countless ways for you to learn and get knowledge. Knowledge is at your fingertips. It's a click away. Use it. Use it while you have it. I don't know why i got to speed up. Add to your knowledge self-control. 1 Corinthians 9, 24-27 do, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now, now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Therefore, so run. Not as uncertain. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I keep under my body, or I keep my body under subjection. 
I bring it into subjection, lest by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should become a castaway. Paul is saying, I bring my body under subjection that I might be able to do what it is that God wants me to do. Yeah. That means, uh, if it means that you need to read your Bible at 6 in the morning because you leave for work at, at 7, then that means that, Paul, you know what Paul would do? Paul would set his alarm and he would discipline himself. He'd find a way to get up and get it done. Amen? Amen. No different than if I said to you today, if I, if I said, hey, i got a job for anybody that wants it, I'll pay you $100,000 an hour. <laughs> you can work 40 hours a week, I'll pay you $100,000 an hour, but you got to be up at 5 a.m. You all can do it. Let me alarm for that job from here to north. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd be here they, and if I said be here at 5 they'd be here at 4.30 again yes, amen? amen because they treasure the reward they want the reward if I say we're going to meet at 11 and we're going to learn more about Jesus Christ this is how many people lined up for it amen amen how to lose friends. <laughs> How to lose church members. <laughs> Preach messages like this. Like a book. Still the truth. We're to be in control of ourselves. That means we're not easily influenced by other people. Amen. 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 We're not. Now listen, this is hard. But I'm going to say it anyways. Having that self-control means that we should not be addicted to anything. We should have no addictions. We should not be living in habitual sin. Falling into the same sin over and over and over again. We have control of our temper. Amen? Over our bodies. Over our attitude. We're to control our actions, our speech. We're not to make excuses. I've told you all before about the girl that I worked with that time who all of a sudden one day at work she just blew up and, and got angry and, and let everybody have it with both barrels. And afterwards when I was talking to her, she said, I'm sorry, I've got daddy's temper. I said, don't blame your dad for that. <laughs> if I was your daddy, I wouldn't want to be blamed for that. That ain't your daddy's fault. It's your fault. She's in control of how she acts. I'm in control of how I act. And you've got to be in control of how you act. Amen. Amen. When we act ungodly, we've got to own it. Amen. That's why God says, if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. Amen. Jesus Christ the righteous. You own that. You get down to the altar. You make it right with God. And before you do that, whoever you hurt, make it right with them first. Amen. The Bible says, if I get down to this altar and I know that I've hurt somebody or that somebody's hurt against me, I should get up from this altar, go be reconciled to my brother or sister, then come back to the altar. Amen. Amen. We're preaching all those things today. We didn't even mean to. When you see somebody who's out of control, 
It's a lack of maturity in Christ. I know there's areas in my life where I'm still out of control. And I know those areas, and those are areas that I have to work, that I have to fight every day. I'd like to sit down and eat a whole chocolate cake today. But I have to fight not to do that. Amen? Amen. Add to that perseverance. What does that mean? It means not giving up. There are discouraging times for us as Christians. Amen? How many of you have been through some discouraging times as a Christian? I have. Over and over and over again. There's hardships and battles. And we face exhaustion at times. We go so hard that we almost burn out. But we have to persevere. We have to hold on to faith. Second Thessalonians 3 and 13. It's a great scripture. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in well-doing. Don't grow weary in doing good. There are times when serving the Lord is hard. There are times when being a Christian is hard. But you don't quit because something is hard. Amen? Amen? There are times as believers, as Christians, that we're going to suffer because of our faith, but we don't quit during those times. You have to make up your mind that you're not going to quit no matter what. No matter what. You keep pushing forward. You have to be willing to face the setbacks and the spiritual battles and the walls that you have to climb. You've got to be able to do whatever is necessary. Paul told Timothy, he said, endure hardness at like a good soldier. That's what we go with. We endure the hard times. I like what one author said, a quote, said, do you keep trusting, loving, and obeying God even when His providence and His choices are not what you wanted? When hard times come, do you throw in the towel and give in to discouragement, fear, and resentment? Or do you persevere in faith? Perseverance. Add to perseverance godliness. That's the next one. What's the best way to describe godliness? How about I, I, I think of it like this. When I asked God to help me understand that this morning, the first thing that came to mind was giving up your will for God's will. Laying down your life, picking up your cross, and letting Christ live in and through you. Aligning your desires with God's desires. Loving the things God loves. Hating the things that God hates. Are you doing those things as a Christian? Are you actively pursuing God's will for your life? Are you letting go of the foolish and worldly desires that profit nothing? Are you seeking first the kingdom of God and all of His righteousness? Or are you seeking first the kingdom of this world? Some of us have been tempted just like Christ was and, 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 and Satan has put out in front of us and he said, take a look around. All that you see, I'll give to you. All the love you want, all the money you need, everything you want. Now, I'll give it all to you if you just, just bow down. 
And some of us have done the opposite of what Christ did. Christ said, no way. Some of us have said, I'll take it. I'll take it and I'll, and I'll bank on the fact that God will just let me in there one day. If I go to church enough, or if I do this thing enough, or that thing enough, you, you are making a, a bad mistake. Friend, you cannot have the world and have God. You can have the one or the other, but you cannot have both. It is one or the other. It's hard. But really, what is it this world has to offer you? What would a man give in exchange for his soul. What would it profit, my brethren, if a man gained the whole world and lost his own soul? Let those words ring into your heart this morning. What is it about this world that is so compelling, that is so wonderful to you, that you don't want to surrender it and live for God first? And here's the great thing about being a Christian is what God has shown us is that we can surrender these things and live for God. And He said He's given us all things richly to enjoy. Yeah. I still get to enjoy the beauty that God has created. I still get to enjoy. I can. I. It is entirely possible to serve God with your whole heart and still be a good father, a good mother. It, it, a good employee. You don't have to choose between those two. You don't have to choose. You can be both. I, I, I have raised, and I, I'm not the example by any means, but I have did my very best to raise my family in the house of God. There has been very few Sundays in my children's life that they have not been in the house of God. They only the only times that they were That's it. Many times we have traveled before. But many times my children have said, I don't want to go today. I don't say to my children, oh okay. I say, you're going to church. This is what we do as a family. We go to church. But I don't want to. I don't, I, I don't like it. Well, okay. Learn to love it. It's what we do on Sundays. We go to church. It's what we do on Wednesday. I don't. Now listen to me. Don't get mad at me. Children should not run the house. Children should not run the house. Children not being happy with something does not mean you don't have to do it. This is the place where your children need to be. They don't, they're not going to love it. This is not entertaining to them. But they need to be here. Amen? Hang in there with me, okay? If you weren't, if those that are absent have no idea this will be preached, they'll be here next Sunday happy, and you all will be gone. I'll, I'll, I'll be sitting out. Please come back, letters all week. <laughs> Get your cell phones ready. I'll be texting like crazy. We've got to let go of the foolishness of the world. 
really, if the world, the cares of this life will come in and choke out this good stuff. Amen? This good eternal stuff that God has given us. Add to godliness, brotherly kindness. I'm trying to get done. I know I've been preaching a long time. Interestingly enough, the message that I hoped I would be able to preach today was about kindness. That's what I've been wanting to preach on for weeks. Uh, but it just hasn't worked out that way. Uh, one day it will. But in the interest of time, just let me ask you, are you kind? I don't need to tell you what kind means. You know what kind means. But are you consistently kind to those that God has put in your life and those that God has put around you? Or do you treat them well? Do you treat others with respect? Do you find ways to bless and encourage people? Yeah. Do you speak to them in a way that leaves them feeling blessed to have been around you? Or are you contentious? Are you bitter? Are you angry when you talk? Always making little snide remarks. Trying to get little jabs in to hurt people with your with your mouth. When you well, listen, when you look around this room today, and I know it's a thin crowd, but when you look around, do you really feel that the people in here do you treat them like you treat a brother or a sister? Brotherly kindness. Do you call and check on each other occasionally? You ought to. Do you reach out to people sometimes? And ask how they're doing, you ought to. Do you find ways to spend time with people? You ought to. This is your family. Not just the ones in this church, but any Christian is your brother or sister. Brotherly kindness is so important. You can either be you can either hurt bad or you can or you can do wonderful things. Amen. Same with uh, I've had to learn that lesson with my children. I can hurt them bad with the things I say. Or I can really do good in their life by speaking good things in their life. Amen. By giving them some encouragement, some love when it's needed. Mm-hmm. When they mess up, I can be there to show them that, that God, there is punishments for times when you mess up. But there's also forgiveness and love and grace. Mm-hmm. And we can show them those things. Amen? Amen. And to brotherly kindness, he says love. Well, we know this, right? We know this to be the truth. The greatest of all these things is love. Amen. Right? Amen. If we had all the faith in the world, the Bible says if we had faith to speak to mountains and have them collapse before us, but if we didn't have love, it would profit us nothing. Okay. So I'll just ask you this. Are you known for your love to others? When people say your name and somebody says, do you know so-and-so? Do they say, that is the most loving person Or do they say something else? Self-sacrificing love. Putting others before yourself. It's hard. But it's the way of Christ. It's the way of Christ. Love is such a beautiful thing. When we tell somebody that we love them, that's a special bond. Amen. When we leave this church today and we hug each other and we say, love you, that's a special thing. Amen. 
That's, there's a, there's a, a unity. A, there's a sense of being knitted together in love. It's not just a word you say for no reason. It's not just words that you write to somebody for no reason. It, it, it's more than an emotion, right? Love is this purposeful choosing to care about somebody else more than you care about yourself. That's why he says make sure you add that. So you see, when you look at what Peter was saying to the church, he was saying all these things, and he said, you've got to add all this to your faith. Man, and when you do that, he said, he said, if these things will be in you, if, if virtue will be in you, if knowledge, if self-control, if uh, persistence or patience, if godliness, if brotherly kindness, if love, if all these things will be in you and abound in you, they'll make it that you will never be unfruitful. You'll be able to bear much fruit for the Lord. Amen. Because you've added these things to your faith. You'll be able to make a great difference in the world. Some, some, some people that are perishing because of you, because you were willing to add to your faith these things, they can be saved. Because you were willing to add to your faith. You were willing to give all diligence. Why would I do that? Why would I spend my life trying to continue to grow in Christ? When Bill, you've already told me I'm saved. Right? I believe in faith. I'm saved. Why? 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 Because we're not following cunningly devised fables of men. Because we know the truth. One day we're going to stand before the Lord. And I want to present to the Lord a life well lived. Why? So that I can have a bigger mansion than you? I don't care about that. I thank God He's got one up there. Praise the Lord. But I want to show Him that I loved Him. I want Him to know that. More, not just with my words, but with my deeds. See, God tells us how to love. He says, brethren, don't love in word only, but love in deeds and in truth. Let us love each other with how we act. Let us love the world how we act. Let us represent Christ in everything. Amen? Let's stand for a feet this morning. I preached a really long time. I'm sorry about that. I know it's hard to manage sit still and manage families and all those things for that length of time. Uh, but I appreciate your patience with me and I appreciate you um, really, really hearing what God has to say. And so let me just ask this question. If we could bow our heads for a moment and close our eyes. The reason I do that is I like for it to be just a little bit reflective of just you. Are you here this morning and you're lost? If you remember at the beginning of this message, I spoke to you. I shared with you that if you're lost, the thing that you need to be thinking about is, will you trust Christ for your salvation? Will you trust in what God says about you? That's the first step. All that other stuff that I preached, 
doesn't matter to you today. The only thing that matters is, do you want faith? Do you want to believe in Christ? Do you want to be saved today? If you're here this morning and you're lost, can I encourage you to step out from where